thinking about the future, and we're right again, once again, in the middle, I mean, in the beginning of this, of this new year, and have you ever wondered why people love fortune cookies? I mean, like it or not, I know we don't believe in it as Christians, we don't believe in it, but how often, I know I do it all the time, because I, I like to laugh about it too. <laughs> no one wants the cookie, but we all want to see what's inside there, right? I don't know, but the truth is, people love fortune cookies, because it's subconsciously, a lot of people want to know what the future, we're obsessed with the future, Watch us, what the future holds, I mean astrology and all these, uh, you have these zodiac signs and everything else. I mean, it's crazy how people, it is, you don't realize the number of people who read what's in the newspaper and go buy a lottery ticket because they think they're going to be lucky this week. There are a lot of people who do that. I mean, they base their lives around and they get so caught up in this and, I mean, talking to uh, just the kids in the high school too. I mean, they're like, are you a, a Gemini or whatever they are? I don't know the others also properly, but they're all like, oh, that means you're going to be like this. And that means they allow the stars to determine how they're going to live their lives. And I'm sitting there listening to them and I said, I have God's word. I have a God who talks with me, walks with me, communicates with me. I don't need to read something that someone has. By the way, they just cut and paste stuff, if you didn't know that. You know how? I've, I've, I know Heather used to work with a newspaper, design a newspaper based out of Chicago, and they had that column there. Guess what? They just borrowed from someone else and put it in there. They don't, there's no truth to that at all. But anyway, we just love something about, about the future always is mysterious to us. We all want to know what's going to happen next, what's going to happen next week, what's going to happen in the next year, what's going to happen in the next century. And we're so preoccupied by these things. And people spend a lot of money also trying to consult with people just to know the future. Trying to get a hold of this future. But the truth is, it's all in God's hand. Amen. It really is all in God's hand. And as we turn once again to the book of James, I want to talk about a title of my sermon, Facing the Future in 2019. And James talks about this. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to James, the book of James, <coughs> chapter 5, uh, and I want, uh, chapter 4, I want to read from verses 13 through 17. Turn with me to James, James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. Give me a minute, guys. I wanna... This is a great passage, actually, you know, and I was reading it to several people through this week, too. Now, listen. It says, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to this city, this or that city. Spend a year there. Carry on business and make money. You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. An amazing passage that talks about 
our future, basically. You know, and I think James is not questioning whether it's, is it wrong to plan for your future? I don't think he's saying that at all. That's not the Bible's intention because we know the other places in Bibles that encourage us to do that and we'll reference them briefly. But what he's mentioning here is that as we plan for the future, there are a few mistakes we make, common mistakes that we make. And please, again, he's not against planning for the future. But he wants us to be aware and careful of these pitfalls that we can so easily, even as Christians, fall into. And he illustrates this point. He's using the example of uh, probably a businessman because he's talking about this businessman talking about their plans to go next year uh, to city or to that city make and make some money. Again, making money is not a bad plan at all. Verse 13, it says, Now listen, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city. Spend a year there. Carry on business and make money. What's wrong with that plan? You know, these are two go-getters. I mean, they're businessmen. They've got a plan. Today or tomorrow, where are they going? This or that city. How long? Well, we'll spend a year there. What are we going to do? We'll carry on business. Why do we carry on business? To make money. Nothing wrong with that at all. The Bible, again, does not condemn making money legally, making money or profit, you know, as long as it's not on someone else's, uh, you know, at someone else's expense. You're not cheating someone else. He has, this man has the what, the where, the how, the when. Everything is planned out. But what's wrong with this plan? Number one, the first common mistake is sometimes, I'd say many times, we make plans without God. Without God in it. Because if you notice in these verses right there, there is not one mention of God in this great business plan. There's not one mention of God. This guy knows what he wanted. He knows where he wants to go. He knows how long he wants to stay there. But he didn't check in with God first. And that's the key. Again, no man... You know, the Bible itself says no man can build a house without making a plan for the house first, right? But the point is this. Again, Proverbs says the same thing. It's, it's, he said, actually, Proverbs says it's, go and approach life without a plan. But if you plan without God, that is real foolishness. Without consulting, checking in with God, as long as you include God, In your plan making. That's when we get it right. That's when we get it right. The thing that I see in this this person's, the the mistake I see this person's making. Because it's all dependent on him right there. It seems the attitude of self-sufficiency really that you see out here. There's an article Uh, by Alexander Saul, Saul, who wrote, he says, since I have spent nearly uh, 50 years working on the history of the Russian Revolution, in in the process I've collected hundreds of personal testimonies, read hundreds of books, contributed eight volumes of my own. And if I were asked today to formulate as precisely as possible the main cause 
for the revolution that swallowed up to 60 million Russians. I could not put it more accurate, accurately than to repeat the phrase, men have forgotten God. Men have forgotten God. What is more, if I were called upon to identify the principal trait of the entire 20th century, I would be unable, un, unable to reflect on anything else than the statement, in the 20th century, men have forgotten God. That's what James is talking about right here. These, they have... The sad part really is, there are too many believers who forget God in their daily lives. Because I really, and I can, I can name several people, I mean not name them, but their, their faces come into, them, in, into my mind. Because there are a lot of people who love God with all their hearts. But when it comes to planning their lives, their careers, their school, their education, anything practical, they forget to ask God. You know, they say, I believe in God. And, you know, but we want God to stay in His lane and we want, uh, we want our own lane as such. We want God to do his own thing and we want to do our own thing and we come to that. But the truth is this, like this person right here, any plan that does not involve God, let me tell you that it's going to be a hard way to go. It's going to be a hard path to follow. Don't plan your lives, your future without God because planning without God, someone said it's practical, especially for believers. Planning without God, planning a future without God is practical atheism. And I took it, I mean, I had to think about that for a little while. Because that's so true. When we know there's a God who is willing, He's alive, He's willing to direct our path. But we don't consult with Him. You're just making a mockery of God. Because you're being like an atheist who doesn't believe in God at all. Because you got your own plan. And so what's the solution? He says, instead, James says, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. If it is the Lord's will. How many of you realize that the best made plans that we can make can easily fall through in just a second? The best plans we ever have can fall through in just a few seconds. Because the truth is we do not know what is going to happen tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't know What's going to happen tomorrow? All we can do is make educated guesses. But to plan without God is awfully presumptuous. Awfully presumptuous. The starting point in facing the future is to say, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do and not what I want to do? Please don't make this mistake of making a plan and then asking God to bless it. That's a big problem in the church. A lot of Christians make their plans and then go to God. God, now I want you to bless this plan. Again, the Bible says we need to say, if this is your will. If this is the Lord's will. Now again, don't uh, make this, trivialize this as such, you know, and say, leave it all. Don't be fatalistic. Oh, if it's God's will, it'll happen. No, God's will is the confidence we have in God. That God knows the best for my life, for my future. Because it's secure in Him. And He will do it if I submit myself to His will. He will accomplish what He intends to accomplish. Amen. It's not if it's God's will, it'll happen. We can't have that kind of attitude. It's not like, you know, uh, 
if, if uh, in terms of like fatalistic actually, if it happens, it happens kind of thing. No, it's with the confidence knowing that God knows what's best for us. Christians, I was reading this, Christians hundred, I mean years before, would sign off with the letters D, da, uh, D and V at the bottom. D and V at the bottom. They'd sign their name and then underneath that they'd put D and V, which stood for the Latin phrase Dio Valente, which simply means Lord willing. And I read that, I thought that's pretty neat. Years ago, they recognized the fact that God's will is important. God's will is important. And that ought to be our response to include God in your plans. Include God in your goal setting. Every day of our lives, we have a choice to live our lives according to God's will or live our lives according to our own will. Please make it a desire, a practice and a desire of your heart to seek God's will every day of your life. I desire it and not just for my life, I desire it for people in the church too. We desire that for our families. God, have your way in my life. Have your way in my life. Again, please do not fall into the trap. God bless what I am doing. Because I have, again, and you have probably come across people, you know, they've made their plans and asked God to bless them and assumed and kept going. And when it fails, they blame God for it not going right. I'm not, I mean, I've met met so many people who've gone down that road, made their plans. And you know what they do? They They go around and consult people who will just pat them on the back and say, keep going. You need to surround yourself with people who have godly wisdom who will be able to stand up to you and say, Hey, you know what? Maybe you need to pray about this a little more. You don't need to surround yourself with people who are always going to say yes and keep going. Because then you're going to start doubting God and blame God when things don't go right. Seek God's will right in the beginning as you make your plans. Seek Him. God, help me. Help me as I have to face this world. God is doing, and the truth is, God is doing his will on the world in the world as chaotic as it seems god's will is still being accomplished here god's will is still being accomplished if you want to have success put your hand in the hand of the lord and let him lead you let him lead you include god in your plans don't make the mistake of planning your future without god number two the second mistake we see this person is making is his simple Taking tomorrow for granted. Do not take tomorrow for granted. We live in a world that has become absolutely presumptuous that when we go to bed tonight, we are going to wake up tomorrow. We cannot live our lives like that. More and more, especially the younger people coming up through the high schools and everybody else, they just automatically assume they're just going to wake up in the morning and things are going to be good. They just automatically assume really that they're going to get up. It's like getting up in the morning and just uh, getting up and thinking the sun's going to shine and everything else is going to be normal. We just assume that. So we just take that part for granted. Not realizing that every single day, every single moment is a gift from God. It is a gift from God. Life itself is a gift from God. Life itself is a gift from God. Please do not assume that you're going to live a whole life forever. It's not a guarantee. I want to enjoy my life right now. I live for God. 
So many people have that. I want to just live my life right now and I have time to serve God later. What guarantee do we really have that we will see tomorrow? Verse 14 and verse 16, it says, why do you, why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. And then he says, what is your life? You are mist that appears for a little while, then vanishes. As it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. Here's the reality that the Bible is talking about. First of all, life is unpredictable. You don't even know what will happen. You don't even know what will happen. None of us can predict what's going to happen. Forget about tomorrow, even going back from here and going home tonight. We have no idea what to, what to expect as such. We cannot predict what's going to happen. From here till our way home, you don't know. World War III might break out for all I know. We have no way of predicting. Life is unpredictable. I mean, for those of us who are, I mean, I know Heather's, uh, she's self-employed. I know there was, when we were working in Washington, everything else. There was business was great sometimes, and then there's business, there's nothing at all happening, right? So it can go up and down. There's no guaranteed success in terms of perpetual success. It's always, the only thing guaranteed is that God is in control of your life if you allow him to be in control of your life. That's it. Life is unpredictable. And here's the thing, the uncertainty and, you know, especially with the political climate in our, in our uh, country right now. People are so scared and anxious that everything's just going to fall apart in a minute. They live with so, such insecurity right now, you know, and they blame everybody about what's happening. The truth is this, uncertainty is not meant for us to freak out and get anxious over and get worried about. The whole point of all this uncertainty, at least for me, is so that I will become more dependent on God, the only certain thing in my life. That's the whole point. This uncertainty that we have is not meant for us to crush us. It's meant for us to turn and be more dependent on God. He's the only thing that will never, never pass away. His word will never pass away. He's the same yesterday, same today, and will be the same forever. Why should I put my faith in anything else that just is here and disappears when I have a God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever? Put your faith in Him, not on the uncertainty of life. Life is uncertain. Life is unpredictable. The second thing he talks about, it says life is brief. You are like mist, like fog. What's with fog? It's great in the morning, but then by the afternoon it disappears. By the afternoon it disappears. Your life is like a flog, like flog, like fog. It rolls in, but it's gone. I mean, the other examples, I was just looking at the Bible. The Bible talks about life as a leaf, as a blade of grass, as a fleeting shadow, like a cloud, a, a vapor or a, or a puff of smoke. It's there for a moment, time and time again. God talks about, the Bible talks about life being short, being brief. Please don't assume that you have the rest of your life to live for God. I want to enjoy my life today. I'll live for God later. The number of people that have said that to me. Isaiah 56 verse 12, it says, Come, each one cries, let us drink our fill of beer and tomorrow we will be like today. Tomorrow will be like today or even better. I don't know, but you probably know a lot of people too who say life is great. Let's just party it up right now. 
and then we'll figure out what happens tomorrow. I don't know. Don't boast about tomorrow, the Bible says, because you don't know if tomorrow will ever come, really. Now, is there something, and I was reading this, I was thinking, is there something wrong if we make plans and tell people, announce our plans? You know, hey, this is what I want to do. This year, in 2019, I want to, hey, and this is a good thing, I want to double my income. You know, I want a new car, and I'm going to work hard to get a new car. All that is okay. I don't think the Bible is against that at all. I think the main point there is the attitude we have when we make those plans. Because if the attitude is only focused, that motivation is only focused on us, that will not go too far. The motivation cannot just be about us because your statement, it can be a statement of faith or it can be a statement of arrogance. Because it all depends on your attitude and your motive. Why are you saying what you're saying? Again, include plan. Include God in your plans. Include God in your plans as you make a goal. Say, if it is God's will, James says, if it is God's will. Matthew 6, 34, uh, I'm reading from the Living Translation. It simply says this, Living Bible. It says, so don't be anxious about tomorrow. God will take care of your tomorrow too. Live one day at a time. Live one day at a time. That's how God wants us to face the future. Thank God he doesn't show us the big picture because we will freak out. Thank God he gives us life in small bites, 24 hours at a time. Let's live for today in the terms of live for God today and trust him to hold the future. Like one preacher said, I can't live the future, I can only live today. I can't live the future. I can only live today. Plan for the future, but take advantage of the present. Today is the good old days you'll be talking about a few years from now. Learn to enjoy your life today within within God's will. Learn to make the most of today within God's will. Learn to live life to the fullest within God's will. Don't make the mistake, again, of planning life without God. Don't make the mistake of taking tomorrow for granted. I mean, forget about next week. Don't take tomorrow for granted either. There's a, uh, Spencer Johnson wrote a book called The One Minute Manager. He says, the present time, that's all I have. That's all I have to give this world. Not next hour, not next month, but right now. Because that is a gift from God that God has given me and I ought to use it. In the present. Church again. The uncertainty of the future. Is not to scare you. It is not to scare you. But to cause you. To give up total dependence. I mean to cause you to put your total dependence on God. Or in God. Use it as motivation. Use it as motivation to trust God more. To put your plans in God's hands and trust Him. We know the cliche. I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. And that's all that really matters. David says in the Psalms, Lord, my days are in your hand. My days are in your hand. So include God in your plans and don't just assume tomorrow is going to happen. Live life one day at a time. And third thing, to avoid the third mistake is... Putting off doing good. Putting off doing good. What you can do good right now. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. And that's pretty amazing. The first time 
I read it. I said, so even if I don't do bad stuff, am I still sinning? And it was really, it kind of freaked me out a little because it says, even if I don't do anything, I'm still sinning. Because I'm not doing the good that God has intended for me to do. The issue is not going out and doing bad stuff. The real issue right here is one word, procrastination. When you know you ought to do good and don't do it, that is sin. I mean, have you ever heard of someone who says, you know, I'm aiming to do it sometime in the future. I plan and I intend to do it sometime in the future. Someone said, procrastination is in sin. It only caused me sorrow. I know I ought to change my ways. In fact, I will, but only tomorrow. Only tomorrow. We love to put off things to a later time. Because we think now is inconvenient. Right now is inconvenient. And we assume there will be a tomorrow when it will be a little more convenient. Even though our intentions are good. If we're all honest, sometimes we never follow through. Even though our intentions are really good. Let me be honest, I've failed in this part too. We sometimes never follow through and do it. Let me share again my heart here for... Because one of my goals in... Are right here at Radiant Life Church is to build the body of Christ. And one of the ways we build the church is by creating and building community. Building community and fellowship among the members in this church. And let me be honest, you cannot build community if you limit yourself just to meeting together on Sunday and Wednesday. The New Testament, I'll just be honest about that. We're not going to build, I mean, we know the New Testament church, they met every single day. If we limit our fellowship to potlucks, we are going to miss the plan God has for us. And I want to challenge you and I want to really, I know this is different and it's difficult, but please be intentional about building community. Challenge you, like I said, set time aside, set aside time. I don't know if you can do it once a week, me and my family, we're going to meet someone else. We're going to be conscious, maybe not once a week, maybe once every other week, maybe once a month. But let's be intentional about building community, connecting with each other outside these four walls of this church. Because let me tell you this, gone are the days when we build a church and people come. We've got to go out and show people the love of Christ. Now you can say and you can have good intentions. Again, I'm not, please get my heart right, right, I mean, just understand what I'm trying to say. Because you can say, you know, my house is too small, my income is too little, my timings are too hard right now. And these are absolutely legitimate concerns. But I encourage you, find a way around that. Because when you build community, you will build the house of the Lord. We will build the house of the Lord. Don't automatically assume there will be a better time to connect with someone else. We automatically assume that I can connect with someone else. Oh man, there'll be a, I'll be a little freer after so many times. Yes, we plan all that. But you understand what I'm trying to say. Let's learn to build community. I know we are all busy, but please be intentional. Do not reduce. Please do not reduce our fellowship. Fellowship to just the potlucks we enjoy together. Please, again, don't just get stuck with good intentions and not follow up.
Don't get stuck with good intentions and follow up. Sorry for the digression, but really, church, that's the way forward. And back to the book of James. Just because you know the right thing, but you still don't do it, it is sin. We think of evil, you know, in terms of murder, cheating, stealing, and all that kinds of stuff. But the truth is this. Here he's talking about the sin of omission as such. When you know to do the right thing, yet you don't do it, Bible calls it sin. Now, I don't go around doing all the crazy stuff, but if I don't do what God has told me to do, I'm missing the mark. I'm missing the mark. Christian, Christianity is definitely more than just avoiding evil. If Christianity were, and I've heard this several times, if Christianity were only about don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, dead people would be the perfect Christians because they don't do anything. Now, we don't live our lives like dead people and don't do stuff. We've got to go out and do what's right. Procrastination is a trap. The words we use, someday I will. One of these days I will get to it. Maybe soon I will have free time. Don't procrastinate when it comes to doing good. Do what you can right now because honestly, there is no guarantee for tomorrow. Do it now. Proverbs 3, 27, 28, it says, Do not withhold good from those who deserve it. When, it. when it is in your power to act, do not say to your neighbor, Come back later, I'll give it tomorrow, when you now have it with you. If somebody comes to you and asks for a favor, don't say tomorrow or later. Don't put it off. Don't put it off. Do it now. Someone said, and I'll conclude with this. Someone said three things that you can do with your life. You can spend it, waste it, or invest it. There's three things you can do with your life and your time. You can spend it, waste it, or invest it. We can find, and I promise you, there are millions of ways to waste time, waste our lives. You can get on TV and every ad talks about ways in which you can waste your life. Or you can get stuck in front of social media and you waste your life there. You can spend it. You can spend it on things that really don't matter. Fame, pleasure, whatever, luxury, everything else. Or you can invest your life in things that have eternal, eternal value. The choice is up to you. Invest your life in things that will last forever. God will last forever. His people will last forever. His word will last forever. Who are you going to invest your life in? What are you going to invest your life in? You are investing in someone's life. You're changing his destiny. You're changing his eternal future. When you invest in someone's life, invest in things that really matter. I remember the story right at the end that Jesus talks about. The person with the talents, he gives someone five, he gives someone else ten, and he gives someone one, right? Or whatever. And then what happens at the end of the day? The guy with the one, he says, you should have done something with it, invested it in something. Just don't dig a hole and put it in there. That's the same thing he's going to say with us. I have given you my son. That is the greatest gift that he can ever give anybody else. We cannot take that and bury it and say, this is just for me, my family, and that's about it. We've got to learn to invest what God has given us for his glory. Because one day I want to hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's what I want to hear. I don't want him to say, what did you do with Jesus? And I stand there and say, well, yeah, you know what? I just dug a hole and put it in there. Jesus was never meant just for us. He was meant for us to take that word and go around and share Christ with people. Learn to invest. Learn to invest, invest in people, people's lives and do it now. And if you're thinking about, you know, 
witnessing to someone at your workplace or someone you hang out with or someone you know, don't wait till tomorrow because tomorrow may never come. Do it now. You plan to invite someone to church? Don't wait for the perfect Sunday. Do it now. You plan to witness and tell someone about Christ and go share the love of Christ with them. Do it now. Don't wait for that perfect moment because tomorrow may never come. If you want to live your life for Christ, live it now because tomorrow may never, never come. As we plan a future, let's plan. Let's plan it with God in our side. With God, with God's will along with our will. Allow God to direct our will. Number two, when you make your plans, don't assume that tomorrow is going to happen. Don't assume that tomorrow is going to happen. And next thing, lastly, if you plan to do it, do it now. Do it now. Bow your heads with me real quick. And Another parable, Jesus talks about a rich man who, you know, he had really good crop, like an abundance of grain. And, and he says, this is what I will do. He says, you know, what should I do? I have no place to do this. So he says, you know what? I'm going to tear down all these barns that I have and build bigger ones, you know, and then I can store all this grain and everything else. And he says to himself, you know, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God says to him and calls him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then you will get all that you have prepared yourself for. You know, I don't want to be that kind of person who makes the best plans yet forget to consult the one person who knows the beginning from and the end. Let's plan our future with God. Let God be. Let God be the one who directs your plans. Let God be the one who really directs your plans. Can man live without God? I don't think so. I mean, you can live, but it's kind of miserable without God. Understand that God's will will always prevail. God's will will always prevail. Be careful not to make plans and then ask God to bless it. Don't fall into the trap because many people do that. We make our plans and then we say, God, now you bless this. It doesn't work that way. Don't just assume tomorrow is going to come. You're going to wake up, the sun's going to shine and everything else. There's no guarantee for tomorrow. There's only one guarantee and that Christ will be the same yesterday, today and forever. So put your trust in Him and in the one who is the only guarantee, the one who holds our future in his hands. And the last part is I encourage you to. 
do it now. Don't just get caught up with good intentions. Do it now. Follow through. Follow through. Lord, we trust in you, God. We trust in you this morning, Lord. Even as we prepare